When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Danny Korchmar talking to you. You're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, this is Martin Popoff, back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are available all over the web, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this episode, uh, we're going to be calling this Heaviest U.S. Albums of the 70s. I know it's a bit of a mouthful. This is episode 69, so Heaviest U.S. Albums of the 70s. Why I wanted to do this episode, um, I've been going on uh, various shows, unfortunately, doing interviews about um, Eddie Van Halen, and uh, and it's come up a few times when these have been more elongated chats, uh, shall we say, and also it's come up, um, I've been going on Pete Pardo's show, Sea of Tranquility, his YouTube show, and it's popped up a few times there. Um, depending on what bands we were talking about. It's a debate I've had with my buddies many, many times over the years, and I just thought, wow, I can't believe I've never done a show on this. So essentially what we're going to do, of course, is uh, look at what were the various heavy or the very heaviest metal albums, the hardest rocking albums, the most raging headbanging albums ever to come out in the 70s, but in America. I know we've addressed this a little bit in the past, and we've talked about some of these bands in the past. So, but but what I want to do is uh, hopefully apply some laser focus to the idea of here we are just looking at true heaviness. So I've got my little uh, my little prospectors gold weighing uh, weighing uh, scales out, and we're gonna weigh these albums, and and we're gonna we're gonna slide those little weights over and figure out literally. Uh, we're not talking about how good anything is. Um, how modern, well, modern kind of enters into it. Um, production even enters into it a little bit, but we're really not looking at the merit of these records. We're literally looking at what are the heaviest records. Now, 
One interesting thing I thought was kind of funny. Um, I um in the uh, long time ago, I you know maybe you know this, but I had these uh, books called the Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal. Um, through the years, uh, long story. Eventually, it ended up uh, four volumes, looking at the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, and then I co-wrote one with a buddy of mine, David Perry, for the two thousands. Um, they're all out of print. I think the only one I can supply is the nineties one. If anybody wants one, you can go to martinpopoff.com for that. But um, I put these cool appendices in the back of the 70s one and uh, and they come up uh, from time to time and I put them on Facebook and they always cause some, some pretty interesting debates. So we have the heaviest 100 albums of the 70s, the heaviest 100 obscurities of the 70s, and um, this is when things were obscure and you can just go on, on YouTube and hear them, the greatest 100 heavy metal albums of the 70s and the greatest... 100 obscure heavy metal albums of the 70s. So these are actually all lists that go to 100, believe it or not. But I'm not going to bore you by reading the whole thing, but I am going to read you a little segment because uh, the reason this episode is kind of interesting is the following. Um, The heaviest 100 albums of the 70s at the time when I did this, um, fully the first 13 entries are from the UK, with one being from Australia. So I'm going to read you what the first 13 albums that uh, Idiot Me thought were the heaviest albums of the 70s way back when I did this book, which is uh, which goes back a good 10 years or something now. Um, anyways, here we go. So, number one heaviest album of the entire 70s, I called Motorhead Overkill. Then we had Judas Priest Killing Machine. Then we had Motorhead Bomber. Then we had Judas Priest Stained Class. Then we had Rainbow Rising. Then we had Black Sabbath Sabotage. Sex Pistols, never mind the bollocks. Number eight was Black Sabbath Volume 4. Number nine was Judas Priest Sin After Sin. Number 10 was Deep Purple in Rock. There you go, going all the way back to 1970. That's quite an accomplishment. Number 11 was Motorhead Motorhead. Number 12 was Black Sabbath Master of Reality. And number 13 was ACDC Let There Be Rock. So that's why this is kind of an interesting exercise. All 13 of the heaviest records of the 70s, you can argue up and down whether, you know, I got it exactly right, but it's it's essentially making the point that uh, most of the records were not from America. All right. So without further ado, let's get into this. Um, I ranked these, um, and I'm going to explain how tough this was, um, but I ranked these from lightest to heaviest. So our last one, uh, number five, will be the album I consider the heaviest U.S. album of the 70s. All right, so let's take a listen to this first one. This is Montrose with Rock Candy. All right, I actually uh, originally had this in the number two position, but I played these and I thought, you know what? You know, my, you know, this album goes all the way back to 1973, so it, it's kind of like uh, understandable that it's a little bit dated. It's got a little bit of boogie woogie. Um, it's it's a little bit light here and there, and even the very heaviest stuff are well, not the various heaviest stuff. The the very heaviest stuff on it is very heavy. Space Station Number Five, and um, 
and rock candy, I suppose, uh, and uh, rock the nation. Um, but the stuff in the middle can sound a little not particularly particularly heavy. But I wanted to put it in here because uh, it, it's pretty cool that it's 1973, so it's pretty early. But also, there's no ballads on it at all. The lightest thing on it is essentially the uh, boogie-woogie cover of Good Rockin' Tonight. But even that is pretty heavy because the other cool thing about it is that the production is really heavy. I mean, these guitars are really heavy. The performances are, you know, pretty pretty aggressive. Um, Sammy's singing really uh, uh, aggressive on this. So all told... With this pretty molten, pretty hot, redlined uh, production job out of Ted Templeman, it's a pretty, pretty darn heavy album. Like I say, a completely, um, you know, guitar bass or guitar through a distortion pedal from Ronnie Montrose, uh, bass, drums, and pretty extreme vocals all the way throughout. So that's why I thought it had to be on this list. Um, and the reason it's number one and not number two is that, um, again, some of the songs sound a little bit dated, which is uh, which is understandable, because modernity is kind of important here as well when you're calling something heavy. Um, you know, the, the closer you get to the likes of the riffing on Judas Priest's Tain class, essentially, as your gold standard— um, you know that that's a level of heaviness that gets into another realm. It doesn't doesn't have anything to do with production or the fact that Rob Halford sings high and thin sometimes or any of that sort of stuff. It's literally the the modernity of the uh, of the riffs. All right, so there you go. There's our first one, the fifth heaviest U.S. album of the 1970s. Take a listen to this one. This is our second selection here on History and Five Songs of Martin Papa. This is Legs Diamond with I Think I Got It. All right, so Legs Diamond had three albums in the 70s. They're a California band. They were often called the American Deep Purple. The first album's a self-titled. It's pretty heavy. Um, this second album is called A Diamond is a Hard Rock. It's 1977, so we're, you know, getting towards the end of the 70s. And then they had a third album called Firepower in 1979, which is, it's got some covers on it, but it's got some really heavy songs on it as well. Um, but I think this is the heaviest one of theirs, and I did kind of go through it again just before I got on mic uh, this morning. Um, and essentially, um, the thing about this record is, again, every song is essentially um, guitar through a distortion pedal, um, bass and drums. The vocals are not particular. You know, they're they're fairly well behaved out of Rick Sanford. Um, he's your standard hard rock singer with a with a kind of a high sweet voice. Um, the production on the record by Eddie Leonetti, who also produced uh, Angel uh, famously, the last couple of Angel albums, um, is fairly. Um, behaved the performances are pretty tight it's a very very tight professional album so in that respect it doesn't doesn't like rock out even the way the montrose album rocks out but diamond is a hard rock totally heavy song waiting pretty heavy long shot i think that one has a little bit of a poppiness to it woman uh jailbait 
pretty heavy. I think I got it. This one I just played you is uh, is pretty fast. Evil is a little bit of Diablos in Musica with tritone in it. Live a little is a little poppy, flying too high. Um, so, but but the thing about all of these, I think one of these it might be Woman is partially ballad, but even it's got some heavy stuff in it. So so the point is is. Uh, they essentially commit to the heavy metal cause throughout the whole thing. You know, it's got a fist punching through a, a you know, a uh, a metal panel, and he's got a diamond on. The fist has got a, uh, you know, a, a leather glove on, a little bit like Sabotage, Power of the Night, I suppose. Uh, the album is called A Diamond is a Hard Rock, so they're putting hard rock right in there. And like I say, the other two albums also make it known that this was no mistake, that they're a pretty heavy band. Five guys all, you know, long-haired, heavy metal-looking dudes. They got a keyboard player, obviously, Mike Prince. He's one of the leaders of the band. So there you go. There's our second selection uh, of the um, the heaviest U.S. albums of the 70s. Uh, let's take a break, and we shall be right back. All right. Back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We are looking at the heaviest U.S. albums of the 70s, and we're getting heavier as we move through time. So um, our next selection, well, let's take a listen. Uh, let me grab my copy of this handy here so I have it. So our next selection, uh, take a listen to this. This is Ram Jam with Hurricane Ride. All right, so most of you know Ram Jam. I don't want to go into the whole story bef- uh, again because I actually you can go back and play. It's it's a fascinating. I think it's probably one of the best episodes of this podcast. I did a whole episode on the Ram Jam story. Go listen to it. Um, so I'm not going to go into that whole thing again. But essentially, you know them from uh, they're a one hit wonder. Black Betty, kind of a novelty bluesy song off of the first album, which is not particularly heavy. It's a little bit like a Foghat B2 album, but. The second album is very heavy, and um, what is also heavy about it and moves us this high up our list is that uh, the new guitarist in the band, Jimmy Santoro, has a little bit of that modern Judas Priest feel uh, to him in songs like Hurricane Ride, um, Runway Runaway, uh, Parts of Pretty Poison, Just Like Me is very heavy on this record. Um, So essentially, to go through it again... um, you know, to give you a different story uh, and just looks clearly at heaviness. Gone Wild is one of the rowdiest songs you've ever heard in your life. That's that's what I consider just drunkenly heavy, heavy party party metal and um but it's not written like the heaviest song on the album because it's got a little bit of boogie woogie to it but as i say just like me hurricane ride pretty poison runway runaway all all very heavy uh and it's got some sort of aerosmithy songs this is part of the thing um literally they were making two albums at the same time one was going to sound like the earlier album from 77 this is 1978 by the way on epic um and uh, with Jimmy and the band, they were also going to make an album where the producers, Kazanitz Katz, said, give us an album like Aerosmith. Uh, and so that's kind of what they did, but they actually went heavier than Aerosmith. So Wanna Find Love 
please, please, please have a little bit of that dirty, funky Aerosmith heaviness to them. Even parts of Pretty Poison are a bit, a bit like that. It's only got one ballad on it, Turnpike, but it's a dark ballad and it's got a ragingly heavy part to it. So yeah, this is a really heavy album and uh, I am rating it for you guys. The third heaviest U.S. album of the 70s. So that's Ram Jam. It's called Portrait of the Artist as a Young Ram. Doesn't look like a heavy metal album at all. It's just got this silly painting of uh, of this uh, this Ram, uh, you know, uh, made up to look like, uh, you know, something from a Rembrandt painting or, or Rembrandt himself, perhaps. Um, but yeah, just kind of this brown, nothing to it album cover. The band on the back doesn't look particularly, particularly heavy metal. Um, but yeah, check it out. Uh, this is, uh, pr- this is, Definitely, I would say, the most obscure album on this list, and I am rating it the third heaviest album for the entire 10-year period to come out of a very large country called the United States of America. All right, moving on. Number four. So that makes it number two. So this is the second heaviest album out of the entire decade. Take a listen to this. This is a band you might have heard of called Van Halen with I'm the One. All right, so I have, uh, this is interesting. So this this whole exercise has really kind of made me look at the heaviness of these records to come up with uh, what I feel is the true answer. And um, what I like about this record so high up the list of heavy albums is the fact that, okay, so first off, it's got some ragingly, ragingly heavy, heavy songs recorded very, very molten by Ted Templeman, who we've talked about. He did the Montrose album. But um, very heavy and, and cr- crazy molten performances out of uh, Eddie Van Halen, Rest in Peace. Great lead singer. So you've got basically On Fire, I'm the One, Atomic Punk, and uh, Ain't Talking About Love, uh, and somewhat their cover of You Really Got Me are are quite, quite, quite heavy metal with a lot going on and just very explosive performances. Moving down the ladder, you've got kind of more moody, um, you know, less is more songs, but are still fairly heavy in Jamie's Crying, Running with the Devil, Little Dreamer, Feel Your Love Tonight. Um, And then besides that, you've got, you know, this crazy heavy metal named guitar solo, Interruption. You know, technically, is it is it heavy metal because there's no, you know, bass and drums on it or vocals? I don't know. Uh, and then you've got Ice Cream Man, which is kind of a no- novelty, jokey 50s cover, but played very heavy, just like Good Rockin' Tonight off of Montrose. So why is this here? There are no ballads on it. Um, there's, no, there's no ballads whatsoever. I mean, every song is is essentially distorted guitar bass drums and vocals um so yeah and uh, you know and the and the lighter songs on it are just kind of a little bit dated i i i'm not a big fan of little dreamer or feel your love tonight most people aren't um but uh but yeah otherwise very very heavy record and uh there you go there's our number two album so 
Are y'all wondering what number one is? I, I'm feeling actually pretty confident in this choice because again, I went through the record again just before I went on mic and said, yep, this this is it. This this beats uh, these other ones. I mean, I've often been known um, uh, on, on various shows to call call the Ram Jam album the heaviest album of the 70s. And and uh, one of one of the good listeners actually pointed out the Van Halen, uh, you know, to take a, a, another look at it and a listen to it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? This is heavier than the Ram Jam, I think. Um, so our last choice here for the heaviest album of the entire decade from a country with, what is it, 336 million people, 350 million people at this point, something like that. Um, take a listen to this. This is Riot with Road Racing. Right, so here we go. Riot, um, New York band. Um, they had an album that also is quite heavy called Rock City from 1977, their debut. Um, so this is uh, this is their 1979 album. So they're almost cheating. This is uh, this is the uh, yeah this is the newest album on here. The Van Halen was 78. The Ram Jam was 78. We had a 77. We had a 73. Um, Road Racing. Uh, we had a band in the 80s that played that song. We played that and we played uh, Outlaw off of uh, Fire Down Under, which is even a slightly heavier album, but it's a 1981 album. Um, but yeah, this Narita album, um, you've got Waiting for the Taking, good, high high tempo, high energy, heavy song. Um, so this is a little bit like the Legs Diamond album in that the lead singer is a little more of a um, you know high voice, sweet voice, not particularly crazy, aggressive heavy metal singer. And again, the production values on this are quite behaved. Uh, this is just a very tight, professional performance, a high-fidelity recording. So it's not as violent as the Van Halen or the Ram Jam or even the Montrose. So that, those are two things working against it. But um, 49er, very heavy song, Kick Down the Wall, very powerful, muscular song, but a little bit melodic. You know, some of these songs kind of like are almost like precursors to pre-metal. Um, um, precursors to hair metal, sorry. Uh, they cover Born to be Wild on this, but it's the heaviest version of Born to be Wild I can think of uh, outside of, say, um, you know, the the Raven with Udo Dirkschneider uh, version. There's an instrumental on here called Narita, which is almost like very heavy, almost Teutonic Euro speed metal. Here we come again, heavy enough, do it up, good, heavy, you know, somewhat 70s-ish feel to that one. Hot for Love, pretty heavy, white rock, um, quite melodic, but also, you know, pretty pretty uh, energetic performances on here. And then, of course, I played you the heaviest song, just to cheat a little, uh, called Road Racing. But essentially, um, the entire album, 10 tracks, is all quite up-tempo and all 
quite, quite, quite heavy. No ballads. I uh, don't believe there's anything even approaching a ballad. Some of it's a little bit, you know, poppy and like I say, a little bit towards hair metal. Um, but that's it. So that is our choice. Riot Narita from New York, which uh, normally doesn't really happen. Uh, you know, not a lot, not a little heavy, not a lot of heavy music uh, coming from the '70s from out there. I mean, just as as a very quick history lesson leading up to this, you do have uh, America providing some heaviness in the '60s over and above even the UK in the likes of the Stooges and MC5 and Blue Cheer. Um, but moving into the early '70s, it's kind of like a Cactus Mountain nether zone. Um, you know, Kiss, I'm, I'm going to read you off some um, some honorable mentions, but I don't even really have a Kiss album in here as an honorable mention. Um, but yeah, let's get to the honorable mentions. So so yeah, so basically there's, there's not a lot of, you know, pretty, you know, extreme heaviness on just like looking at how, how, how heavy is this stuff. Blue Oyster Cult, I, I can't put any Blue Oyster Cult in here, uh, even from the early black and white period. Um, but here we go. So, okay, so, so what are our honorable mentions, the ones that came close? So I thought Aerosmith Rocks comes close. And if you're going to include Rocks as coming close, you could probably put Toys in the Attic as coming close. You could probably put Draw the Line as coming close. Maybe even Night in the Ruts and maybe even Get Your Wings. Um, Ted Nugent, I put State of Shock as coming close. Now, you know, it's a weird choice. I know a lot of people don't. I, I consider it probably my favorite Ted Nugent album. But if you're going to put that in, you you can also, you know, edge into the conversation. Ted Nugent, Ted Nugent, Ted Nugent, Free For All, Cat Scratch Fever, Weekend Warriors. Um, they all kind of come, you know, semi, semi close to being included in this. Maybe even Tooth, Fang and Claw for that matter. Um, another honorable mention the first Legs Diamond album, and even the even the third one, honestly. Um, but Legs Diamond, Legs Diamond, pretty darn heavy record. Um, you know, I had the Sex Pistols on my list as a UK one um, because punk can be pretty heavy. I know on that list I had Damned, uh, Damned, 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 and probably even Machine Gun Etiquette, 1979. But from the States... You could pretty much put in uh, the Dead Boys, Young, Loud, and Snotty, 1977 on Sire Records. Very, very uh, extreme and violent guitar sound, production sound. Jenny Raven um, produced that album. Very extreme vocals out of Stiv Baiters. Um, you know, uh, some pretty rock and heavy metal songs like uh, Sonic Reducer, which I think uh, it's Overkill, right, that covered that. Um, so pretty heavy album throughout. Um, you know, it's punk rock, but I mean, it's it's probably one of the very heaviest punk rock albums. Uh, even their second album, you could almost uh, slide in here as, as pretty rockin'. I don't know, you might want to put Dictator's Blood Brothers in here, not, not so much um, uh, Manifest Destiny. Uh, okay, so Elsewhere... Uh, for honorable mentions, I thought the likes of um, Yesterday and Today struck down. I almost put that in here, but I but I kind of went through it and thought, ah, you know, it's a little bluesy, it's a little mellow, a little atmospheric, but it's played very violently, um, especially from the drums, Leonard Hayes. And then for that matter, you could go back a year to 1976 and, and bring up the Yesterday and Today self-title album. This is before they started calling themselves a Y&T. So there's two from them. Um... I thought Angel Hell of a Band is not the worst choice in the world um, leading into this because they had a really heavy sound on that, um, but there's a lot of variety on it as well. But it's got, you know, Pressure Point and Mirrors, and so it's got some pretty heavy stuff on there, uh, and they play pretty energetically and, and violently on it uh, here and there. Um, so 
So there you go. Those are probably my favorite uh, honorable mentions, uh, I would say, uh, that I would slide in this. So uh, so yeah, go to the Facebook page. Tell me what you think. Um, I, I think this is a pretty cool debate. Um, and uh, there's the regular Facebook. Um, you can go to... Um, yeah, the the um, it, I'm 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 kind of uh, okay with my Twitter, but I'm uh, but I'm best on Facebook. So yeah, we do have a history and five songs Facebook page, of course. Um, that is it for uh, that is it for today's show. Uh, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to uh, coffee or Kofi dot com slash Martin Popoff. Uh, you can hit the red support button there. Buy me a coffee or a beer. Um, they have this kind of three dollar uh, level, which is sort of the normal thing to do there. It's very easy by PayPal. Um, I want to thank um, contributors. Some of you, thank you very much. You are you are you know you've been regular since the beginning on this. Yeah, uh, Kevin Latham, Bruce Campbell, Colston Veer, Augustin Garcia, Deep Paredes, Animesh. Uh, Justin Green and Scott Smith. So thank you very much for contributing and uh, keeping this song alive, uh, song, the show alive, and giving me almost like a, um, you know, I'm 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 kind of working this that uh, that I that I almost work out to like I have an hourly wage uh, to do each episode of the show. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of my target for it. Anyways, that's it for now. MartinPopoff.com for books. Um, the Limelight uh, is still selling briskly. Limelight Rush in the seventies. I've got that one and the uh, and the first one. Anthem Rush in the uh, did I say seventies? Anthem Rush in the seventies as well. And getting a few reprints in. And soon I'm going to have that uh, Thin Lizzy a visual biography, and I'll be signing and sending those out. There are PayPal buttons for all this stuff. Thank you very much again. Um, this was a fun one. Um, so go play some of these things and tell me if uh, if you've unearthed anything that really. Should should be in this top five heaviest U.S. albums of the 70s. Talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 